Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Happy Tuesday. In fact, it's a very happy Tuesday because we can talk about the GR86. It is out. We were just in New York at the Monticello Motor Club. Thanks to Toyota for inviting us to come drive the new 86 on track. We just released a video. You can check it out on our main YouTube channel. Yeah, the original channel. It's on there. Find that. Everybody on the planet is releasing a YouTube video today. (laughs) Sure. doesn't matter. We got to drive it. Yes. We're very thrilled with the car. Check out our impressions on there. But we're hoping to do more comparisons and drives of that car. Like we do, like uh, we you know do all kinds of comparisons and uh, put it on television as well. Well, that's the big thing for us is that we love being invited to these events. We're thrilled Toyota had us. Uh, we were laughing, and it's actually in the video as well, because a good percentage of the journalists at this event owned the first gen at some point. <laughs> yeah. So it was like this weird like homecoming thing. It was very funny. But the thing we prefer the most is actually pull it to ourselves and do what we do which we haven't done yet, but man, it was cool to be there for it. Exactly. Well, don't forget about our cheap sports car raffle. We've still Mm -hmm. got just under a month left to buy tickets. You can go to everydaydriver.com and the first line right there flashing is the way to enter and you can Mm -hmm. get tickets there. All the rules are on there. All the, uh, everything that we're doing as far as the giveaway, you're going to have to come to Utah or arrange for shipping. Should you win one of these cheap sports cars, the tops do not currently work, even though Todd can, can, Todd can get his Z4 <laughs> top down. down. Yes. It's just not power mechanism operated. And it's now a manual the top. SLK is uh, kind of baked right now, it's, but it's, it's that a very rare SLK 280 coupe. <laughs> manual unique. coupe. That's that, such a unique car. You could sell it on Bring a Trailer right now as one of one. It is one of one. Anyway, yeah. And also thanks to our TV sponsors, Haggerty. Grio's Garage, Covercraft, and Auto Tempest for making our TV season possible. And guys, these companies Absolutely. have supported us, so let's support them as they continue to invest in our car enthusiast community. And by the way, with Grio's Garage, you can use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids, 10% off everything else. And Covercraft, use the code EVERYDAY21. That's only some of the cheap sports car stuff we're doing. By the way, we are still in the middle of Cheap Sports Car Month on everything we do on both of our YouTube channels are doing all sports cars all the time. Uh, we are a week away from the big eight car comparison, but we're still cranking out stuff for the test drive channel. And then after the eight car comparison, we are cutting it down to five hero cars, R2 and three others and having a huge discussion about cars that can be bought right now. I'm not kidding right now for less than eight grand. It's really exciting. I'm actually loving all the video we got. We got so much. Yeah, we did. Funny enough. I'm wondering about the future for these cars. Will they continue to go down or have all mm. the prices on these cars under eight grand bottomed out? Mm. It's an interesting thought. But the good news is they're inexpensive and they're a lot of fun. So check that out on our test drive channel and the films on our main channel as well. Hey guys, it's summertime again. And when the weather gets hot, it's time for custom sunscreens and dash covers from our friends at Covercraft. UVS 100 custom sunscreens are made to exactly fit inside your windshield for maximum protection from the sun. They're durable and sturdy for years of dependable use. There's a wide variety of colors and styles available, including Original, Premier Series, and Carhartt. They also have Dash Mat Custom Dash Covers. They're custom-fitted to your dash for complete protection from the sun. These reduce road glare when driving and complement your interior with a large selection of colors and styles, including the Original Carpet Dash Mat, the Suede Mat, the Velour Mat, and the extremely popular Limited Edition. Whatever sunscreen, dash cover, or car cover you choose, 
Remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com specifically for our audience. Follow the link from our sponsors page or go directly to Covercraft.com for high-quality products that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. It's been a long time since we've done car conclusions yeah, for a yeah. topic Tuesday, but we have many. And thank you guys for writing to us your car conclusions. Some of these have been associated with a particular episode. Others mm-hmm. have not. It's just gotten people thinking, which is great. And we're jumping right in with Merrick N., who writes to us about canoes and campfires. <laughs> Our favorite topic, canoes <laughs> and campfires. That's if, all if, we talk about. Brought, where's the guitar? You well, know, we you, you do the, need a, an acoustic guitar. A guitar and a beanie. I mean, that's the thing we're missing, yeah. You know, a 12-string, that 12-string sound is so that's, unique. Very that might unique. really put the nice twist on things. <laughs> well, Merrick says his first enthusiast car was an 05 S2000. He bought for $12,500. Those things are not $12,500. They are not. That's true, yeah. He borrowed two-thirds of the money from his family, sold it after two years of ownership for thirteen. so he made a little bit of money. Hmm. But that background stress caused him too much anxiety. Mm. Wonderful car, though. Since he's got kids, he's constantly chauffeuring them around. He needed something bigger. So he found a 2006 BMW 330i with sport suspension, fairly well-maintained after replacing the worn-out suspension with Bilstein's, of course, and <laughs> M3 control arms. The car now drives like a sports car, he says. Awesome. It is that ZF six-speed, but that's fine. It works great since he retuned the trans with one of the commercially available tunes, and now he just puts it in sport mode and pretends it's a sequential. Other things that needed to be replaced just from being old were the radiator, a transmission, sorry, yes, transmission flush. He did all the maintenance and upgrades himself. That's well cool. Done. This is his first German car experience, and he's pleased for what he got for 4500 bucks. Wow. Plus $1,300 worth of suspension, $600 custom exhaust, and all that miscellaneous stuff that adds up. You I'm know, not good at math, but he's still in very great store. And uh, $750 on the miscellaneous stuff. He does have that satisfying door thud. <laughs> telling you, it's a thing. It His other Japanese cars yeah, never right. had this. That's true. And he bought with 98,000 miles, expecting to get at least 150, another 150 out of the motor. Out of the motor. He's hoping everything else around <laughs> it hangs could. on. <laughs> the doors will still be with you. Probably true. Probably true. But he's very impressed for a 15-year-old car. And he also says, we always point out the vast number of Subaru Outbacks that exist. What would be our alternative to that vehicle for being able to do the same activities like canoeing and campfires. So the non-Subaru commercial, or, or the Subaru commercial, but now <laughs> filled with another car. Yeah. I, I thought of a few, actually. I'm going to start right here. The Isuzu Cross. Why not? Because we're, if we're doing, those are in demand, if and we're people doing are looking at those. lifestyle vehicles, Isuzu Cross. of <laughs> right. course, I'm going to say the Wrangler. Now, yep, you don't like Wrangler that on the road there. as much, but the Wrangler will take you anywhere. Somehow I feel like Subaru has stolen the commercials Wrangler should be doing. Okay, there was we'll go that, with that. There was that Volvo V90 cross-country that we drove. That's like you've got an outback and you want to step up. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what that is. But you know what? Anything used, because my big, my big question slash answer here for, for Merrick is that how far off the trail are we going? Depends on your car. But I, but I also think it depends on what you're doing, because I think what most people need to do for, and I'm using this term loosely, overlanding. What most people are really going to do for overlanding is I drove down a fire road. And if you drove down a fire road, you can take kind of anything. Sure. I mean, Morgan Motor Company has even built an overlander Morgan. They have. They did do that thing. But but you could take almost anything down a fire road. You could. 
So it, it, how, how aggressive does it get? Where are you actually wanting to go? <laughs> now, there is the flip side where people buy the car for what they want to do, theoretically. But I actually think that the reverse is very common where you have this car and you're going to make it. I was recently on a trip with my son and we rented a Jeep one day, mm-hmm, went mm-hmm. up a couple of pretty serious trails. But one of them was, was far less serious than the other. It was, it was more than a fire road, but it okay. wasn't like, wow, thank God we have four low. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Coming the other way was a woman who, based on the look on her face, I think she got herself in over her head, but she was coming the other way in an Acadia hmm. with family in it. This was is it clearly the family car. Dusty and dirty kind oh, of yeah. thing? Okay. It was clearly the family car, and they just decided, well, we can do that pass. And they got through it. My point is that they got through it. Okay, everybody else was doing like heavy duty off road motorcycles and big jeeps, <laughs> sure, and she got down sure. it somehow in the Acadia. I'm not saying this is a smart idea, but it, but it plays to my point, which is what you have might make it. It might. It depends on the condition of your car afterwards, too. This is true. You might Absolutely. rip the oil pan out from under your car. You might, and, and that could be an issue. I've thought the new Pathfinder. Really impressed with the new Nissan Pathfinder. It's grown in size. There's plenty of room for all the instruments in the back. I think that's a pretty interesting truck. It's it's definitely feels less squishy than the last one. Yes. More capable. The entire coffee house band can go now. Yeah. But it's <laughs> kind of set up to do that. And of course, Range Rovers. But yeah, the Pathfinder, I'm going with that. Aesthetics in Motion writes to us and says uh, he's got a car conclusion for us. We haven't ever covered his debate, but he's been looking around for a while he was he was sick of boring beater cars. He'd had a, a long list of them, and he was saying, what should I do for a fun vehicle? And then he followed our random rabbit trail that we do to the uh, Mercedes GLA AMG 45. He's like, wait, should I get one of those? But he stumbled into the E63. Now, if you don't know BMW speak, that is the 2006 to 2010 BMW M6. This is the Bangle era. Well, he says this is the GT Coupe version of the M5 we reviewed with the amazing and infamous V10. Yes, definitely. But it caught his eye for some reason. He's wanted one so badly, very, very much. But they seemed too expensive, and he was scared of the maintenance. Okay. But then he finally got to drive one. See, that's the thing that will push you over the edge. <laughs> oh, completely. completely. I'm scared with the maintenance. I don't know the insurance costs. But then you drive one, and all that goes out the window because you <laughs> don't care it out. It's going to be great. It's going to be this. One, this what yes. I found is going to be fine. And that's exactly what happened. Life is too short. Reasoning. He he applied to this, so we bought an M6. He even sent photos to it. There was a photo in the collection of him eating breakfast while staring at the car. <laughs> He had the camera, a bowl of Honey Nut Cheerios, uh-huh. staring at his car. It was breakfast with the M6. It's, it's not only did you look back, it's you're now having meals with your car. That's, yes. that's kind of special, actually, yeah. Because you step outside, it's early in the morning. What's in my garage? It's still here. <laughs> Sweet. Has everybody else done that? I think both Paul and I have done that. You have a car that you're excited about in your garage, and you're out in the morning, and you're somehow surprised it's sitting there. I go out there like, all the time ah, just to look. It's still here. Is the fu- that's the funny? It's funny you bring it up because that's the funniest ridiculous response. Of course, it's still there, but yet we yeah. all do it like a kid at Christmas. Like ah, it's still in my garage. It's brilliant. Well, he says he's got a certified BMW mechanic lined up to replace the rod bearings for a great deal and peace of mind, <laughs> so he can enjoy the you know what out of this car. And he says, thanks for showing me that sometimes the financially wrong decision isn't always the wrong one. Mm. 
Welcome to this podcast. That's gotten many of us in trouble, yes. And then he says he does like the Silverstone 2 Metallic. He says it's gorgeous in any light. And I love that you bought it, and I love Mm -hmm. that you love your car, and you you did something about it. Doesn't matter how long you keep it, Mm. but just the fact that you get to have breakfast with your car, (laughs) and then be sure to go drive it. For sure. Ben Jay writes to us about the TL from hell and the M2 that must go. (laughs) He's moving from Colorado. sorry, Ben. Moving to Colorado on a Kansas salary. And needs to reduce his car payment, so his beloved M2 needed to be sold. Ooh, that hurts. The car that he was going to keep, his 2011 Acura TL, super handling all-wheel drive, six-manual transmission, had just tried to kill him. Eat a transmission <laughs> and all less than a 1,000 miles of ownership, which means he didn't trust it and he didn't feel safe in it either. Good grief. So he started off with some drive homework. 2017 Alfa Romeo Giulia. He didn't like it at all. The car had 40,000 miles on it. He hated the engine sound. The transmission didn't do what he wanted it to do, and the interior felt like it would fall apart. But it handled well. He just don't, doesn't think he could have lived with the rest of the car. I have to stop right there on the Julia. Now, you and I have talked about the Julia many times on this podcast, and what I'm coming to the conclusion of is that is a car that has no middle ground. People seem to love it, want to own it, and think it's amazing, or walk away from it. Even if they've owned it. We had that one guy recently that couldn't get his serviced. And that the following week, a guy wrote us about his Julia that has not only been perfect, but he's been able to do some of the maintenance himself and he found easy people to, to maintain it. Mm-hmm. That car mm-hmm. is a polarizing car for owners and non-owners. There seems to be nobody's like, the Julia's okay. I just either don't like Fair it, enough. doesn't work for me, or I love it and I can't get enough of it and it's the easiest thing in the world to own. It's very interesting to me how that car polarizes. Sure, although I can see his points on the interior yeah. and just the general feel of it. It wasn't. It's not a German car. They didn't put mm. all that energy and refinement into those into the, the rest of the car, those little tiny things that you feel. I do get that, but it does handle brilliantly. Well, then he moved on. Ben test drove a 2017 Civic Si. He said that was okay. Mm-hmm. Or just okay. He liked the steering feel. The power was good, but it was loud on the highway, and he still hates the way the current Gen Civic looks. You can't fix that, short of the redesign, which now looks good news. The other way. It's been fixed. <laughs> it just doesn't look like anything. It's just. Is that a ha, Hyundai, Acura? Yes. What is that? You're right. It could be like four different models. Maz, Toyota, what? Yes. GM. Yeah. It's all of them. It's all of the above. Well, speaking of Mazda, he drove a 2018 Mazda 6 manual. Comfy interior, but he says the armrest situation was awful. Mm. No comfortable place to rest your arm and also slow, but otherwise a fine car. But what he found out early was the used car market as of this recording is insane. Mm-hmm. Browse used cars and see something interesting only to find that it was priced in new car territory yeah. like GTIs, S4s, A4s, pushing $22,000 with a minimum of 40,000 miles. Mm. That didn't seem like the right choice to go used. So he pledged he wouldn't buy new back in 2013, but maybe it was time to break that guideline. We're just all about having you break the rules you've set yes. for yourself. Break it. I, I'm pleased that you reconsidered that. Mm. So he hunted down some new manual transmissions at local dealerships and went driving. He started out with the 2021 Mazda 3 hatch in manual. The interior felt premium, great shifter feel, light but informative clutch, and adequate power. He says, not a great engine note. We know that. That's not mm-hmm. okay and not offensive. But it does come with all the tech, mm-hmm. lean keeping assist, Everything. adaptive cruise, heads-up display, automatic braking, which most car, car companies, he says, says you can't put on a manual transmission, but Mazda proved everybody wrong. Mm-hmm. You're right. 2021 Jetta GLI in manual, which was a surprise. 
I'm sorry you had to deal with the rev hang. Yes. He says it was pretty quick and spacious and comfortable and roomy and a solid manual transmission. Watch our video and we'll promptly disagree with you, but that's all right. It happens. But the awful tires did let the car down. That's how they sell it for less. They put cheap, bad tires on it. (laughs) Now with cheap, bad tires. (laughs) Where's the boxer? $2,000 for good tires. At least they're not the triangle tires. The Chinese triangle tires. Nothing is as confusing as somebody decided to name their tire company Triangle. I had a pair. They were fine, but I could not believe I had triangle tires on my car. At high speeds, they smooth out. They smooth right out. 2021 Mazda 3 hatch turbo. Obviously, this only comes in the automatic, and Mm -hmm. that does have the power he wishes the manual had. But that was surprising, he says. Otherwise, everything, he says, held true about the manual transmission. It did come down to price as reasoning to rule this car out, but he did like it. So it came down between the Jetta GLI and the Mazda 3. He said the Jetta had a great deal with a $2,500 dealer markdown, a thousand off from Volkswagen, mm. bringing the car down to $25,000 brand new, which was tempting. That is tempting for sure. But he had two trades and it was important to him to get the value out of at least one of his cars. So he's trading in the Acura and the BMW. Both. Wow. To consolidate and bring his payments down. Yeah. He says the Volkswagen dealer became super weird. I'm not sure what that means. They wouldn't talk numbers on his trade-in unless he agreed to buy the car before they had even made an offer on his cars. Mm. Goodbye. Yeah, yeah. So he headed back over to the Mazda dealer, and after some negotiating, he managed to offload the TL for a slight loss, Which but he made up for expected. it in trading the M2 for $1,000 less than he bought it for two years ago. He lost a thousand dollars on the bad. M2 over two years. That's really not That's a bad phenomenal. deal. Yeah. Well, he says he did get a 2021 Mazda three premium manual transmission in that gorgeous soul red. Ooh, that's awesome. Payments are 180 bucks. Wow. And he says that's a big savings for that move to Colorado. Even though he cried over trading in his M2, and that doesn't mean you can't ever have one or something like that again in your Agreed. life. Agreed. Agreed. This is a time in his life for sure. But you did what you had to do, Ben. And that's important. I, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you recognize that from a financial standpoint, even yeah, though we kid yeah. and joke around. You did what you needed to do to still get yourself something reliable, interesting, good for the climate and location that you're driving mm-hmm. it in, but something that you can most importantly afford. That's important. I mean, even though I you know, try to give people cars that they can't afford, <laughs> but you did it and we applaud you for that. Very, very well done. And he says, well... He does like the manual. He thinks uh, we should check it out, and he thinks the audience should uh, check that out as well. It's quicker than the automatic front-wheel drive, much quicker than the all-wheel drive version, and still in that lukewarm hatch territory. So, Ben, well done. That's a cool car. It's a great car. I'm glad you got that good color, too. That's awesome. Reed's writing in, um, following up on uh, rakes and landmines, because uh, he was looking for a road trip car, with four seats, his then girlfriend, now fiance, ordered that was the case, and uh, and so we were we were stepping carefully with Reed because we wanted a hot car, but it had to be practical. That he's walking that line between him, the car person, his fiance, who's going. It has to do these things. Hi, fiance, by the way. So uh, recommendations that we came up with were the Julia, the TLX, and the. E90 M3, all of which we love. He mm. drove the Julia against the A5 Sportback and also drove the IS300. There was no question to him that the Julia was the winner as far as driving the car was concerned, but he was concerned about the electrical issues that they might that might pop up, and the insurance cost made him walk away. It's not surprising. I, I definitely understand that. So in June 2020, he ended up buying from New Jersey a black 
2017 IS300 F-Sport, red interior, mm. just under 30,000 miles, and was fortunate to find one specced exactly to his liking. He did paint the calipers candy apple red. He says, there's your splash of color, Paul. I love it. I, I will say that one of the things, as much as I don't like monochrome colors, and I know that I'm uh, overdue for saying this. I know it's been five minutes. Since it I has said been it, five minutes. You're right. But, but I will say this, that Lexus gets away with some of them because they have really cool, bright red interiors. And as much as I like color cars, sure, I sure. don't like it when somebody does some really bright color exterior followed by the same color interior. I saw a C8 recently in the fantastic bright red that that car comes in, and the interior was the same color. And I was like, that is entirely too much. Porsche did that in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It was kind of was a Porsche signature thing. And even though we were sort of like, yeah, we, we kind of let them get away with it Remember on some of the cars. The blue S2000 with the blue S2000 interior. Yeah, that was a I mean, little it's, much. it's a lot. So the only thing is when you get a white or a black or a silver Lexus with that bright red interior, and it is a bright red interior, that kind of softens the blow a bit. I hear you. Well, he was all in $29,999, and he says he still saved three grand buying out of state, even after including shipping costs. But then the car wasn't delivered with the title, so he called the salesperson, said they would mail it. A week or two goes by, he calls back. Because of COVID, everything had slowed down, so that could take another two to three months, but he still calls every other week to check. Then they rolled into mid-November after dozens of unhelpful, unreturned, or unanswered calls to multiple salespeople and even the general manager. He says the salesperson that he worked with got fired. And he had asked us for advice on what to do since it had been five months. Remember remember this? Yeah, I do remember it. Yeah. He filed a complaint with the Better Business Bureau. He talked sternly to the general manager. (laughs) They had a conversation. Which is understandable. Yes, because it's been five plus months. And then he realized, well, then he said a nice lady realized that fired salesperson hadn't filed the paperwork correctly, got in touch with him. He says how this took five months. He doesn't know. But then the week, the process began again, and he finally received his title. So it was all, mm. all worth it, even though he had to go through a lot of hassle. But that was, I suppose, COVID-related, but that was really the failure of the salesperson. Yes, for sure. And that and can then, happen. And then they weren't with the company anymore. But you made noise, mm-hmm. which is had good. To. And read that's, I, I believe that's what we told you to do is just, you know, squeaky wheel, make some noise and yeah. keep calling people because one, you know, there's nothing else you can do, but persist for sure. He says he loves the car. It's a great upgrade in every way from the 06 Altima that he had for eight years. Mm-hmm. And he says he can't stop driving with his fiance. They've I love taken it. That's it to great. Kansas city, Des Moines. He says they're heading to Eastern Iowa for, for a friend's wedding, which is in the past now, but he says they're just driving it. I love that. That's great. Well done. Todd K writes in with a story that really surprised me. All right. He's writing in because he wanted to let us know a car conclusion because we had done their car debate and they were looking for an EV. Now he's six foot six. They had a budget of around $15,000. They were trying to buy an EV. And of course you and I are going to say buy a cheap old used one because they're very cheap. But he realized that we do keep talking about the Chevy Bolt. And that the Chevy Bolt can be found for cheap. So they went looking for the Chevy Bolt just to see what could we get. Now, remember, they have $15,000. That car is Mm mid-30s as far as list is concerned. But then he talked to a friend who'd just gotten a deal on a Bolt. Supposedly in California where they are, there were extra programs to help people get into EVs. So their household income, based on being in California, 
everything they could get for grants and deals and rebates, etc. Um, I can't believe this. They bought a brand new 2021 Bolt with DC fast charging, all the convenience packages, after every incentive and rebate and buyback and everything that happened, they got a car that would have been just under $40,000 for 13 and a half. And after taxes, it's 16 and a half. Todd K, this is incredible. Amazing. I'm thrilled that you did. And you did the research. It mm-hmm. paid off. Mm-hmm. Well done. Well, he says his wife was concerned about range anxiety with having one of these. But he says, not only is their Bolt fun to drive, it's the cheapest new car he's ever purchased. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at that point, you pay it, a for third sure it is. of the buying price almost. Absolutely. But he says, they'll burn through tires now because of all their front wheel drive burnouts. <laughs> They're sharking for drag racing at the light, too. It's not range anxiety, it's tire anxiety because of the Bolt. That's hysterical. And now she laughs. She howls every time he floors it. And they really like being able to charge it at home. They have a couple of friends who consider themselves car people who turned up their noses at this car because it's not a muscle car or a sports sedan or a Tesla. Mm -hmm. And he says this just revealed to him their close-mindedness. Interesting. If we, along with a few other journalists, hadn't talked about the fun aspects of the Bolt, we wouldn't have considered it. And that's just it, Todd. We, we want to be honest in our reviews and straight up because we have been accused multiple times of being owned by car companies. <laughs> Which always uh, makes me laugh. Apparently, we've sorry. got tattoos in places that are unmentionable. Yeah. If that's the case, well, then we can't be owned by other car companies because I've already got the tattoo for GM or whatever the car company yeah. is. We've joked we would cash that check, but car companies don't need to pay journalists to review their cars. Nor do they. We've never heard of it happening ever. once ever. So we would... But it's not necessary. And when praise is due, they absolutely deserve it. And we want to share our discoveries yeah. with you, our audience, because you've heard plenty of our rants about this sucks or that didn't turn out right. Mm-hmm. They phoned mm-hmm. that in, Cadillac totally. CT4. Ugh. You know what I'm talking about. I, I shudder to mention the Volkswagen Taos. What Taos okay. update okay. can I bring? There's no update. It's it's still it's still. Oh, I got to think about something. Terrible. Dislike just as much. It's easy to think about terrible things when you think of the Taos. But nevertheless, his wife now likes the car so much, she has declared they'll never own another internal combustion-engined vehicle. Sure. Okay. Sure you won't. Sure. <laughs> let's, let's go with that. <laughs> he will leave that discussion as a future debate since he currently has a work-supplied car mm-hmm. that is. That's their second vehicle. But hmm, we'll see how that works out. I but love that you discovered the bolt and now, took a chance on it. They've got it. Yeah, and they love it. Chris O. writes to us from Texas. We featured his debate in episode 585. His son had recently turned 16. He was going to inherit his daily and state-mandated truck, a 2018 Chevy Colorado with a manual transmission, which then pushed his enthusiast car, a Volkswagen GTI, to his daily driver, much to his dismay. That left an opening for a new enthusiast car. (laughs) But after owning six Volkswagens in the past and present, per Todd Yu, he was forbidden from entertaining another product from Volkswagen. (laughs) Now, we both gave him several cars in which to do driving homework, Porsches, Mazdas, BMWs, Corvettes, and so he started on Turo. Love it. First car he rented was a 2011 Boxster. He says it was the sound of the engine that impressed him the most. Okay. 
And what I love, Chris, is that you've now experienced that thing we've talked about. Sound sells. Mm-hmm. I think it yeah. always will sell. Yeah. There, that will always be a component of it. Manufacturers are now piping in sound, not just a sound tube, but they're digitally recreating engine noises yeah. to pipe into the cabin because yeah. they think that's what people want. I want the natural sound of the engine, but it does sell, not to mention how the car drives. But after Chris took his wife for a drive in it, she mentioned that if they ever wanted to take a road trip with a dog and their own offspring. <laughs> you know, there's more than two of us in this family, right? That's how that conversation went. Exactly. She doesn't Have want the dog in recently? Have you seen how many rooms in the house get filled with bodies? Right. This is a two-seat car. Right. Well, he decided two plus two would be a better choice, so the two-seater was out. But you have to admit how good it drives and how Clearly, much fun it is. He loved it, yeah. Well, then he had a long layover in San Jose, California, rented a 2016 M235i convertible with an automatic. Okay. The day he picked it up was a stereotypical Northern California day. Sunny, temperatures in the mid-70s. It's weatherless. Yeah. It's just skin temperature outside. It's just, yes. We digitally created this day. <laughs> so he drove the car up into the mountains between San Mateo and Palo Alto. Top down, tunes playing, curvy mountain roads. He said that car stayed glued and he classified that day as one of the most perfect drives he's ever had. Wow. Okay. So back in Texas on a post-dinner walk one night to discuss the car, <laughs> the MOF, Minister of Finance, posed the question if he would ever really be truly happy with an older or newer model car, year car. And he says he interpreted that as a <laughs> discussion about increasing the budget and maybe Getting permission to increase the budget a little would you, bit. Would you really, honey, would you really be okay buying used? I mean, would you? do you want new? To which he says, can I have more money to buy new? It happens. <laughs> it does happen, yes. So he settled on a 2018 M240i coupe with the manual. Bought it, it sight unseen from the original owner in California who custom ordered it from BMW. Love it. It's got 22,000 miles. Was always garage, never tracked. And was the previous car's, it was the previous owner's weekend driver. So it was just Sounds perfect. I love it. He says, so far, it's been a blast. The power delivery band is so wide, and he loves how smooth that engine is. Mm -hmm. The straight sixes are brilliant. They're fantastic, yeah. He's getting used to the automatic rev match, and he says (laughs) he thought when he came into a red light, he thought the throttle was stuck because it was doing it. (laughs) He downshifted in it, rev match. He went, what happened? Then he realized, oh, yeah, that feature. Well, he's decided to keep the GTIs as daily, so now they're a four-car family with three drivers. (laughs) Lovely. And his son's just going, whatever car you want to give me. His son's saying, Dad, you know, I'm more than happy to drive the GTI or the BMW, both of which you said I can't drive. I'm more than happy to drive either one of them because I don't have to drive a manual now. And he's saying, yeah, uh not right now. I will add another car conclusion at the very end of this topic Tuesday, and that is my brother-in-law, Daniel, who just stepped on an airplane to go to North North Carolina. Wait, what? I hadn't heard this. I was was waiting to surprise you. He's been searching He's, around for another Saab, what? and he found one oh. in North Carolina. It's a 1993 900 convertible, and he flew out, bought it for 5800 bucks, and is mm. having it shipped back. He gets it this week. So he flew out to close the deal and check the car, then flew home and is having it shipped. Yep. As it turns out, it was owned by a guy who was into rallying Saabs okay. and took Daniel for a ride. The car is great. It's sort of it's got something like ninety eight thousand miles on he it. He knows so there's other things than sobs, in. right? There's there other companies are, out there. There's nothing else other than sobs. <laughs> Only sobs. Okay. This is all that exists. So now he owns two nine hundred convertibles, and he's jokingly, you know, saying his and hers. And my sister just runs. Oh my gosh. 
He's wait. He bought it. He bought another one. They have two sobs now. Two. He goes from no interest in cars whatsoever. Their appliances. We kill them all. To I own two Saab nine hundreds. Uh huh. Yep. I that that's such a turn. It's almost a three sixty. I don't even know what that is anymore. <laughs> When your car needs new brakes, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance from something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are all bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking, no modifications required. Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes, including pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need brakes or you simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. We even found great kits for our SUVs and our cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. How do you buy a last car? And I don't know that this is a last car, but, but David's writing in and he's saying, I'm 81 years old. I'm looking to purchase or lease what will probably be my last car. Wow. So I have two questions. David, look, I, I love that you wrote in. I love that you listen and watch, and that's amazing. And you're 81 and you're buying a fun car. We'll get into that further. I love that. You have current fun cars in your garage. We'll cover that too. But my question is, how do you know this is the last one? I you don't could think live you do. 20 years. You could live 30, 40 years. We, we simply don't know. You don't know, do, or do you? Maybe you're like, well, okay, the clock is ticking. Here's my day. I'm punching the ticket. I don't know what the story is. But what I love about this the most is out of the I'm looking to buy my last car, I expect that with that opening sentence, we're shopping for a CUV, and we're not. Really? You think a last car would be a CUV? Well, but I, only the only reason I would think somebody wouldn't is because they're writing to this show. But I think somebody okay. that's thinking, I'm, buy- I'm 81, I'm buying my last car. It's the one that's going to last me. It needs to do everything. This is the last car purchase. I think they would go something that's very universal. Mm. The, the sportiest we'd get would probably be hatchback at the sportiest. Mm. But generally, we're going to want a five-seat SUV. We're going to want something that's just going to run. That's what I'm expecting. Not where he goes. David, thanks for writing. This is amazing. And I love that you're still an enthusiast going strong at 81. I encountered this very same thing from a neighbor. Got to know him a little bit. And he owns a mid-2000s Nissan Frontier Pro 4X. Silver, four-door. It's fine. It's Mm going to run. This guy's in his late 50s. Okay. And he told me, yep, I just got this. This is going to be my last car. What? I've never heard that. I didn't compute. Because my grandfather died at 102 years old in 2011, mm. and he bought his last car at age 98 with the six-year extended warranty. <laughs> One of my favorite stories ever. I went to art school. I didn't go. This is how I'm confident I am. I'd like the six-year warranty, please. <laughs> because that's what you do. And so I'm, I'm an internal optimist. And I've never thought this way. And it was very surprising to mm. me to hear, mm. last car? Well, what if your truck gets damaged by a hailstorm? Or what if it gets stolen? What if somebody wants to buy it from you and makes you an offer you can't refuse? What if he lives another 50 years? Very true. Hello? That's crazy to me. I mean, that Nissan Frontier probably will go another 50 years, but that's notwithstanding. Yeah. So I've never encountered this kind of thinking. And I like that you have these other 
fun cars. It's an 86 MR2, a 2005 MR2 Spider, an 04 Toyota van, and a year 2000 Boxster S with 151,000 miles. He's even driven his ex-wife's 2017 Toyota 86. Yeah, lousy torque curve, he says. <laughs> He's driven it. He gets what everything we say about it resonates with him. I love it. <laughs> the good news is, as of this podcast today, our 86 video has dropped, and we're looking forward to driving it more in the future. But he owned Mercedes 190 SLs, 280 SLs, mm. 220 SE, and a Fiat 124 a long time ago. But all he's considering are sports cars. I love that. And that means, that tells me, this isn't your last car. Mm. Whatever you decide on isn't going to be your last car because, David, you have the disease. <laughs> There's no way any of us are just going to call it cold turkey and just stop looking. Multiple cars in his garage currently, I three disagree. of the four are sports cars. Yeah. He's adding a sports car and saying, I'm done. I'm really done now. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. We hope you're not, but sure I don't think you are either. Not. But I love that you're considering the new Z car when it comes mm-hmm. out, or a Civic Type R, or the Supra 2.0. Now, this is primarily to be driven in and around Atlanta. Might go on trips to Pennsylvania and Florida with the van, but he says, maybe. What do we suggest? Mm. He does want to know our comments on these other cars when they arrive, and we certainly will provide those. But he's not thinking until you know maybe a few months from now. But he does say only there's one Super 2.0 in the Atlanta area and dealers are not allowing test drives. They will if you come in and say, I'm a buyer. This is my last car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, but, but honestly, I'm sorry, but how many 81-year-old men are walking in and going, I'd like to test drive your Supra, please? Any and salesperson s- should be, yes, and second And secondarily beyond that, I'm sorry, but how many people over the age of 40 are coming in wanting to drive the Supra? You've got, sure. the, you've got the provenance. You've driven plenty, sir. Let's go drive the Supra. <laughs> you know how you show off pictures of your kids, your pets? You should just have on your phone, just swipe all the cars, just photos of all the cars you've ever driven and just start showing them to the salesperson. You know what he needs Here's to do? Here's what I used to own. This is me. I have driving experience. Just let me drive. He needs to pull up in the Boxster. Yes. The Boxster S. Climb out, walk in and say, I'd like to drive a Supra, please. I'm a buyer, got Mm -hmm. money, ready to drive the Supra. Anyway, onward. If they don't, you could take a road trip in your Boxster and go to any (laughs) of your neighboring cities and go find, hopefully, a Supra. But this last car just threw me for a loop, just like this neighbor did. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, I'm in an optimist position. I'm an eternal optimist. Mm. I'm all about the future. So... Always looking ahead because there's going to be so many cool cars coming out. And David, we're in this golden era of transition from Mm -hmm. great, brilliant sports cars that are now going up in value to what's coming. What are manufacturers going to do for us? Because they realize that fun cars give their company a certain provenance. Mm -hmm. If they're just going to be about boring old SUVs that are electric and seven-seater and skateboard platform and okay, (laughs) no fun over there. Yeah. You want to ride in the fun V? Let's go over here to this other car company because they're building fun stuff. (laughs) There you go. That's the entire point of those halo cars. That's Mm -hmm. the reason the Audi R8 exists. So every enthusiast can go, I want an Audi R8. I'm going to get an A3, but I want an R8. Same thing. Mm -hmm. And I believe that kind of thinking will continue even into the future. And so I want to encourage you. You're doing it right. I hope to be thinking about my next sports car when I'm 81. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree with all of that. But to answer your question, what you should look at is definitely, if you're interested in that Supra, yes. Take a look at the 86. Go drive that too. The new one is the new one is what you're hoping for when you drove the last one. I mm-hmm. really think your concern about not liking it enough the last time, drive the new one for sure. 
Yeah, and you've got the box star already. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you've got the greatest hits of great sports cars. It's got a lot of good stuff. But you could also throw in this equation, and that is ease of entry and exit. Mm-hmm. Say, well, I just want something a little bit more comfortable, not quite so hardcore. And there's many sedans if you're interested. I mean, I love that you're in sports cars, but there's fun sedans too that, you know, if you want something just a little bit more comfortable because you've got the great sports cars already. True. Yeah. Even though you could just yeah, sell yeah. all these and just go get the Super 3.0 or something like that. <laughs> you're wiping out the garage. I love it. That's good. Yeah. Let's wipe out the garage and just go with the car. Mm. I mean. <laughs> Because okay. listen to this story, David, if people meet you and like, Hey, I'm, you know, 81, whatever, that's your car. Yep. That's my only car. It's a Supra. Mm. What? Who are you? Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you a little bit about cars and driving. I could definitely see that story. That's Even cool. though I love, I love your love story it. now, it's, yeah. it's just yeah, yeah. great, but you're absolutely on the right track. That Z car. We're very, very anxious to drive and. Hopefully Toyota drops a manual transmission about the time that Z car comes out. That'd be good. I, I agree with all the ones you brought up already, and Paul's already covered some of them. Super 2.0 would be great. Z car is an unknown, obviously. 86, I think you would like. Um, the Type R, Civic Type R is interesting. That is the most usable one you brought up in the group. That gave me a couple other ideas because I had the same thought you did, Paul. And David, you haven't told us. What are you comfortable in? And do you have any restrictions getting in and out? That's part of it. I mean, that that is a factor. I totally get that's a factor. I'm come on. I'm in my mid forties, and I get in and out of that Elise. It go, huh? Okay, how long is that going to continue? My son, like you know, cartwheels out, and I'm like, I'm getting there. Hang on, hey, give it a second. I'm a huge guy in a small car, so that is an issue. I totally get it. So the, the, those Geico commercials don't become your parents. Yes, I'm and the trying. guy sits down and sighs. Yeah. Did y'all hear that? Did you hear that? Let's not do that. <laughs> the best commercials. Anyway, so the Civic Type R is the most usable. That made me think of this. You need to drive the Hyundai Veloster in. I think that I like would be that a really lot. cool. Get it in that really cool blue color that it comes in. That'd be awesome. You should drive the M240i BMW. You haven't had a BMW, it appears, so drive one of those. You're a convertible guy. Why haven't you at least looked at the current Miata? I like that. Get a most modern convertible. Get the convertible Miata. Maybe even consider the RF. That's a good one as well. And then I am going to say it's come up a couple times in this podcast already, but go completely somewhere different. You had a Fiat. You've had Italian in your past, but you know what? Go look at a Julia. It's a much bigger car than you've considered, but go look at a Julia. I think that's interesting. And then I have to, <clears throat> I have to ask this question. Okay. David, I, I feel almost bad asking this question because you're 81. You're a true enthusiast. You're a car guy. Yeah. I get the sense you drive stuff a lot. Am I wrong to recommend a Corvette to you? I was just going to say that. Are you thinking new C8? Yes, if he could do it. Like, can you sell some stuff and get in a C8? Yes. It'd be worth it. But, but thing. the C7 is phenomenal. It's really, really good. Now, I know that there is this the stereotype, my father fits in it perfectly, of person that has never owned sports cars, now buys Corvette and drives slowly. I get that stereotype. I don't think that's you, David. Mm-hmm. I would like to see you drive that car fast on the roadway. Go buy yourself a C7 Corvette, be the 81-year-old guy that gunned down all of traffic. <laughs> so I think you should at least look at the C7. It's, it's in your price range. You're looking at around the 40 grand range. You can find C7s for that. I think you'd be very surprised. You haven't owned, it doesn't appear, like a big, screaming V8 monster. Why not? It's delightful. Do we really need a sign telling us to live, laugh, and love? No, we do not. No, we do not. Those are the best commercials <laughs> ever. You know what I love about that one specifically? I have to bring this up. We had a couple of those in the house, and I was kind of like grit, gritting my teeth about them. 
We love those commercials, Don't Become Your Parents. My wife saw that one you're talking about right now and threw them all out. She did? She was like, yep, that settles it. They're all gone. I, I cheered in the background, silently, but I cheered nonetheless. If you printed out directions, you're in the right place. Yep. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is important. This applies to online shopping, too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all of the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. I know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss a deal on that perfect car. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. Lots of great questions as always. Open Mike Knight is on Instagram saying he just recently rode in a friend's Golf Type R, Volkswagen Type R, and he's now in love. He's obsessed. He wants one, but he just rode in it, which I find interesting. He said, what other car should I drive for homework comparing to the GTI? He He's a little scared of the specialized tools and maintenance for a Volkswagen, so what else should he drive? He's looking for around 30K for fun in corners and plenty of space. Uh, Veloster N, hello, and Civic one. Type R used. Both of those you must drive to compare. Mm. Geese1RBM asks, what does it take to be an event car that's driven only on special occasions or when the weather is nice? Can any car fit this category or does it have to meet certain requirements? If you had asked me, Geese, mm, 10, 15 years ago, maybe 12 to 15 years ago, okay. I probably would have said it's got to be expensive and shiny and lots of power, all those typical things. But the more Todd and I have driven, the more cars we have driven, and the longer that we have hosted this show, Mm. the less I think about that. As much as I'm into Porsches, especially the new GT3, it's lush and scrumptious, (laughs) and I want it desperately. But you know, especially with this cheap sports car challenge, yeah. That has completely shifted over the years to being, how do I feel when I drive? Mm. Is your smile 19% larger in a McLaren? <laughs> is it 82% larger? Or is it about the same when you're having a blast? Mm-hmm. Because I've stopped caring about new Lamborghini Countaches. I, mm. I just don't care anymore. It's all anybody can post mm-hmm. is the picture of the new Countach. And I, I just don't care. Mm. I mean, wonderful, great, but no longer aspirational. Not for drivers, at least. Mm. Because you don't see those cars being owned by other than just you know YouTubers and guys who don't know what to do with their money, I feel like. Or they're going to sit somewhere. And they just sit, and they're mm-hmm. not enjoyed, and they're not beat on. And I'm not saying I'm out to trash my cars now and not take care of them. <laughs> I, Never. I, we've all heard from you. Never shall it's it not be. Not who you are, yeah. But to just drive and enjoy and come away with, yeah, that's a sense of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what I'm in. doesn't matter what the numbers are. Todd and I have never been big on specs. We've never been yeah. quoting the zero to 60 because I don't know what that means. What does that mean <laughs> for you and I? Well, but how does that translate into fun factor? It doesn't necessarily. It really doesn't. I mean, the 50 to 80 is sort of like, that's an interesting number. I mm-hmm. can kind of get around that a little bit. But otherwise... I've almost stopped caring about any number. I care about architecture mm, and power, mm. but I care about how it drives. And if you love how that car drives, that is an event car. Agreed. I think it's anything that, that while you're driving it, you think, I kind of can't believe I'm in this. I kind of can't believe I have this car. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll go one further. The Phaeton 
was a little bit that way for me. I think you and I In have both way. been stretched. <laughs> but we've both been stretched by <laughs> buying these cars. Will it that start? We, Will it start? Totally. Will it start? Will it start? That was an event. It started. <laughs> it started. I, I, I kicked into the backup battery to start it again. That was super fun. Will but, it go in gear? Will it go in gear? Will it, it did. <laughs> Will the suspension not collapse? Sweet. Everything's an event. But, but no, that's the thing that I think buying these ridiculous old used cars has really taught both of us is the fact that you can wind up in a car that, for whatever reason, feels unexpected in your life. Yeah. It's yeah. not a car you ever imagined owning or ever thought legitimately, I will have one of those. That can be an event car because you just can't believe you're driving this right now. Isn't that cool? Or it can be, for whatever reason, you reach some level of poster car. And I don't care what your poster car. I don't care. You reach some level of, I finally got one of, what's the end of that sentence? Phenomenal. I think it's a car that you are thrilled is in your life and you are having this experience right now in this car. Yeah. And yep. if, and I think it's a stretch, I think it's a stretch, but if you are a person who you can get that out of your minivan, then you've had an event car. I mean, I suppose so. I mean, minivan kind of hooning through the bad weather is a bit of an event. Yes, Or a sure. Mini Cooper on good tires in the weather. That's kind of a cool event. I was recently completely left at a standstill by a man in a Prius with a place to go. And I kind of wanted to applaud. Did he do a brake stand? He was gone. The Sweet. light went green and he was like, I don't care what, I forget what I was driving. I was in a sports car. <laughs> I, I, he was just like, I'm going to show you. It was like, congratulations, sure. You have somewhere to be. <laughs> so I don't great. care what it is. If you're glad to be in that car, it's an event. That's great. Gosh, Dan it says the podcast about door handles reminded him of the 2020 Lincoln Continental. What was Lincoln thinking? <laughs> That that was Lincoln thinking ten years ago. That was a that was kind of a universal question. Mm-hmm. Right behind what nothing to see here was what was Lincoln thinking? You're running right into the fight, mm. Dan, between designers and the rest of the company. You can tell that the designers wanted to go with the hot rod look, the shaved door handle look, the drop lowered French shaved, whatever you want to call it, the hot rodding techniques about making that huge body side the primary thing about the car. Mm. And so they were left with the question, well, people have to get in this car. <laughs> we do need I'm door handles. Sure, we can't just do the solenoid on the key fob thing. Or you can't just reach under the rocker and click the button, you know, like mm-hmm. all the hot rodders. So yeah. what do we do? Where do we put the door handles? Ah, I know. Let's integrate it into the trim. But he says, it looks like the trim is peeling off. You're not wrong. <laughs> But therein, that was the compromise where the designers won. Mm. And that is all you see. It is the differentiator between every other Lincoln sedan that you've seen Mm -hmm. because you drive by and you think, that's a cool, what, what is that? What's going on there? Yeah. Now they're in our rearview mirror as far as uh, the Continental is concerned. Lincoln's all about SUVs. But I will tie this into a question here from Petrolhead2003 asking about favorite cars from Monterey Car Week. Mm. I think it's the Art Center collaboration with Lincoln. Did you oh, see really? what they did? It's a coupe, a long, grand, beautiful coupe with gorgeous surface-only thinking mm. intersected by a very beautiful vertical line. Mm. Neat. That's very cool. Like that. Nate on Facebook says, what non-performance car surprised us with how much fun it was to drive. <laughs> I took a couple minutes and I thought about this and I came mm. up with one that I really like. A car that you and I climbed into and thought, we'll see. And we both left going, you know what? If that's if you're in the market for that, buy it. And that is the current updated Corolla hatch, the XSE, 
with the six-speed manual. That's a good one. That is one. Yeah. Because look, we we like many others have had plenty of comments negatively about the Corolla as a car to drive, but the current one in that hatchback XSE form in six-speed, we were just like, this is excellent. It's just done right. That's a really good one. I will add the Honda CRZ, even though it's out of production. Sure. That sure. is on yep. the list. Oh, yeah. That is not the car. You think hypermiling, you think mm-hmm, good gas mm-hmm. mileage. What's this manual transmission doing in here? Why is this fun? I can rev the daylights out of it, and it's uh, not going to break because it's right, a Honda. Yeah. Huh. Now, that, this got interesting. And then, to your point, the guy that took off in the Prius. See, brake stands are fun. They can be, yes. Bill Luxon asks about some cars today that we feel mm. are at peak analog experiences that are likely to be ruined because of more weight and electronics mm. when the next generation arrives. Interesting. Okay. Well, of course, all the small cars that we love, Miatas and Caymans and 86s, and you know, we're, we're worried about that. But I think car manufacturers are still trying to do their, their best when it comes to the specific driving focused cars. I will compromise and accept more weight if it gives me more power that balances the chassis and more tech and more amenities. Okay. I mean, not Mm, too mm. much more. I don't want a Mm -hmm, fat, heavy mm -hmm. sports car because not a sports car. That's not fun anymore. Yeah. Or not as fun. But, you know, I worry about things like the Cayman, Mm -hmm. but that's not how the car was positioned to be. But if it continues on its current trajectory... That just opens up the door for Porsche to introduce the 550. <laughs> the car underneath it. There are three right now that I am amazed survive as long as they have. One of them is on the way out anyway. But they are as analog as you get in the current time, and that is the Lotus Evora GT, the current Miata, and the just-updated Toyota 86. Mm-hmm. I can't believe those three cars are being made by a manufacturer right now and are as analog or, put it another way, old thought Mm-hmm. As they as they are, they feel like all three of those feel like cars from about the year two thousand. I can see that, which yeah. I which I mean as a compliment because cars have just moved on to why do you want to drive and those three still hang on. Yeah, agreed. Peter, are you there? Asks if we listen to music while doing spirited canyon runs, and mm. if so, was it what are some of our go tos? You know, I love listening to music of all kinds, but not when I'm driving. Mm. I'm focused on the engine, and I want to hear what the car is doing. I want to hear the rush i want to hear the transmission i want to hear everything i rarely if ever listen to music on canyon runs Hmm, interesting i do occasionally but it it really varies i've got a last question here okay it's a serious one Uh oh from donegal day what whiskey would best represent (sighs) the porsche ethos and i'm out (laughs) (laughs) good night everybody todd is gone something very refined obviously but what other elements would i choose Well, on one hand, you could say something very old because 911s, they've been around a long time. They've been refined and, you know, with age, things are refined, but it's still an old kind of car. But you could also say, how about a blended Irish whiskey? Something strong, but has a lot of components to it. You know, when they say it's like steel and leather and bacon and <laughs> tulips and was a really what? good year for Coca-Cola. I'm and then a fan. Like some earth and granola in there. And I think I taste is that barnyard in there too, I think. <laughs> How do you know? It does do you like it? Does it taste good? Some of it's so contrived to me. But otherwise, if you like it, I would say a blend of some sort because 911s and Caymans are so good at doing so many things. They're great at road trips, great on the track, great just cruising around town. Maybe a blend? Guys, thank you for all your questions. We do appreciate it. 
And be sure to go to everydaydriver.com and enter the cheap sports car raffle. If you haven't already, throw your hat in the ring to win one of these two janky, I mean, awesome cars still, that still run. No, they're, they're still very fun. This, this cheap sports car series that we're doing right now continues to prove out how much fun they are. You could win them for cheap. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. All that kind of stuff is true, but all the rules are on the site. And here's the thing. The number of entries right now, the number of people entered is not that high. Your chance of winning is still pretty high on those. Agreed. We're looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone. <laughs>